Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us again here today in the House of Faith, coming to you from Legacy Studios, uh, the future home of Legacy Church here in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. So excited about the good things that are just ahead for us, for our family, our ministry, for you. Praise God, if you're partners with us in this ministry, you got to know that your partnership is making a difference. Your faith, your support, whatever you're doing that God has assigned you to do alongside Sarah and I in the preaching of this gospel, in serving our generation with the Word of God, teaching them how to live by faith in the day of grace, teaching them how to experience a whole life prosperity, teaching them how to raise a family in the house of faith. That's what you're partnered with. That vision, that assignment is what you've come alongside and you are literally building a place right now for people to come. I'm standing in a 30,000 square foot facility. We're just in one little room of this building here, but we have released faith for $100 a square foot to buy up this whole place. It's got 151 acres, beautiful mountain acres. And at $100 a square foot, this 30,000 square foot facility, all the land is paid off. And that enables us to get the sanctuary built out, get some other rooms and spaces in the church ready to start receiving people. And we're making great progress. We're already up over 70% complete. That's the glory of God. That's the grace of God. That's the goodness of God. And if you want to be a part of that, we invite you to. Go before the Lord. Find out if you've got an assignment with us in this buy up and build out project. And if you do, get on board. Jump in it with us and sow your seed in faith, believing that every seed reproduces after its own kind. If you want to give today, you can do that. Uh, you can do that online, pearsonsministries.com or legacychurch.family. That's the website where we're keeping up to date all the progress in the project. Um, check that out. See how far we've come. Glory to God. I mean, if He can get us this far, He can get us all the way to the finish. If you want to text, you can do that as well. I know you got your phone on you right now. You can do that. Text LTV and any dollar amount to the number 28950. That's going to go right into that buy up and build out project. If you'd like to write a check, you can do that. You can make it to either Legacy Church or Pearson's Ministries International. If you'd like it to go into that project, just mark somewhere on your check, buy up, build out, or B-U-B-O, Bubbo, that's what we call it. And that'll go right into the project. And you can use the address that you see there on your screen. Father, we thank you today for all your great goodness that you poured out in our lives and the way you have enabled us to, to do what you've asked us to do. you strengthening us in every way, and we thank you for it. Father, I pray over everybody watching this broadcast or listening to it right now. I ask you, Lord, to, to grace us and grant us today eyes that see into your word, ears that hear your voice, and hearts that understand who we are in you, Lord Jesus, and who you are in us. Father, we receive the giving of the people today. We call it blessed. We call them blessed. Increase, multiplied, and may everything they set their hand to do in you prosper. In Jesus' name we praise you. Amen. Praise the Lord. If you've got your Bible, I want you to go with me once again to the book of Galatians chapter 5. We began a series here on Legacy Television a couple of weeks ago, and it's something that we're tracking along with what's going on here in Legacy Church right now. And even though we haven't started Sunday morning services yet, we have been gathering together as a body, and the Lord is building a local body here, and it's an amazing thing just to watch. But we're getting together uh, every, every couple of weeks right now on Sunday evenings and spending time together in worship and in the Word. And from the first part of this year, this is where the Lord directed us. He wanted to say some things to us concerning His will for our freedom. 
And I know it's, it's a word we use a lot. It's a word we use to describe ourselves. It's a word many Americans use to describe our nation. We're free people. Hey, it's a free country. You hear that a lot. That's usually what somebody says when they do something that other people don't like. Well, it's a free country. But listen, as great as the freedoms are that we have in this nation, and they are wonderful, and they are to be appreciated, and we are to thank God for them, but they don't even begin to compare to the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. And I know that because you could take somebody not in this country, somebody born some other place in the world, born in, in or under a tyrannical uh, regime that oppresses its people, that imprisons and enslaves its people. But if that person is born again, full of the Holy Spirit, then they are free on the inside where it counts, free in their heart, free in their mind. That freedom is available to us as born-again believers. It was always God's intention that his man live free. That's what he gave Adam and Eve in the garden, and that's what they gave away was their freedom. God gave them freedom when he gave them a choice. He said, of all the trees of this garden you may freely eat, but I'm telling you, don't eat of this one. In the day you do, you'll surely die. But the reason he had to put that tree there to begin with was so they had a choice. If you don't have a choice, you're not really free. And that's what love does for people. It creates opportunity. And that's what God did for us. But the good news is, even though Adam and Eve gave away their authority, gave away their freedom, God went to work right then and there on his plan to make you free again, to make me free again. And that's what Jesus accomplished for us. That's what his ministry on this, on this earth was about. That's what his present day ministry is all about. It's all about our freedom. Our freedom from sin. Our freedom from death. Our freedom from condemnation. Our freedom from fear. Our freedom from worry. Our freedom from strife. Praise God. Jesus purchased our freedom from all of this. And if you want to know what your if you want to really walk in your freedom, you better find out what you're freed from. And as the Lord leads us over the course of these broadcasts, that's what we're going to get into. And on last week's broadcast, well, let's look at this again from Galatians chapter 5. This is our foundation scripture. It says in verse 1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, we've been reading this on all of these broadcasts, but this is interesting, and we, may, we need to make note of this today. Yes, we're free, and that's what he's telling us here. He's instructing us, stand in that freedom. But here's this, this last piece of this verse. He says, do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Other translations say it like this. The NIV says, do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Listen to it from the Amplified Bible. It says, Stand fast then, and do not be hampered or held ensnared, and submit again to a yoke of slavery, which you have once put off. This is interesting instruction. The New Living Translation. Now make sure you stay free. He says you're free, but he said you got to make sure you stay free. Do not get tied up again in slavery to the law. And again from the Passion Translation, let me be clear, the Anointed One has set us free, not partially, but completely and wonderfully free. 
we must always cherish this truth and stubbornly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. Is it not interesting to anybody else that he would have to say that? I mean, if Jesus set us free in the way that he did, and he was not quiet about it. He was not subtle about it. He did not sneak us out of prison. Jesus tore down prison walls. Jesus busted open prison doors. Jesus bent bars. Jesus blew the place up, man. The Bible says that he made a show of principalities. He made a show of them openly. What am I telling you? He, our redemption and our freedom was purchased so gloriously and not secretly. And you would stop and think that if, if he went through all that and he so purchased our freedom, why would the scripture have to even tell us, don't go back? Why would you have to tell somebody, don't go back to jail? Don't go back to prison. You would think that prison, after having been there for any length of time, would be the worst possible place that anybody could think to be. I mean, just ask some people who have been in it. I, I, I guarantee you they will tell you, it's not a good place. This is not vacation. They live surrounded by walls, like we've said before, walls that exist for one purpose, and that is to limit your freedom and to say to you, you can only go this far and no further. And you would think that once somebody is out of that environment, that they would never go back to it. But just naturally speaking, you can study this and find it out yourself, but a huge percentage of people who will be released from prison, it's, some, it's somewhere between 40 and 50 percent, will end up going right back there. And about half of those will go back in like the first 36 months. Why would you have to tell somebody, don't go back? Well, you can see man's natural inclination. People who come out of an imprisoned environment in that atmosphere where there is no freedom and there is no liberty, you would think that they would stay away from that forever, but there's something in man that tries to go back to it. I think it's because we don't know how to handle this gift of freedom. But you see that happening in a natural situation there. But it is not for me and you to judge those people because we're doing this same thing all the time. I mean, how many different times and from how many different things has God set us free and yet we find ourselves going straight back to it? Old habits, old ways of thinking, old ways of speaking, old addictions. And yeah, God, oh, He set us free. Jesus has set us free. You turn around a few days later, you find yourself right back in that prison again. But the instruction that we see here in the New Testament is don't go back. Don't get enslaved again. We left off last week on the broadcast looking in the book of Exodus, talking about the children of Israel. And we see so clearly that the kind of bondage they were in and the oppression they were under, that Pharaoh was trying to break these people. He was afraid of them. God's people were prospering. They were multiplying. They were growing. And Pharaoh was afraid of them. And so he tried to break them down physically by making them work and work hard. But the Bible says they kept growing. And so then he took a different approach and he tried to break the soul of the people. He tried to put the soul in bondage in prison by threatening to kill 
all the baby boys that were born. I mean, can you imagine what that would do to a soul of a nation? Well, yeah, you can imagine it because we're watching it happen right now, even in our own country and places around the world. Government-sanctioned killing of babies. And you can see, once you see it through the eyes of the Word, that this is not a fight over somebody's rights. This is, this is Satan himself trying to break the soul of God's people and the soul of this nation. But when those people, God's people, were in that bondage, they cried out to God and He heard them. And the Scripture says He came and He visited them. And there was a, a baby born around that time a baby boy, a Hebrew boy, who should have been thrown into the river and killed. But instead of being thrown into the river, he was placed in a basket in the river. And Pharaoh's daughter found him and raised him, named him Moses. The name Moses means to draw out. Can you see that that's what the assignment on his life was, was to bring God's people out? And that's what God said to him in chapter 3. After Moses had run away from Egypt as a 40-year-old. He spent 40 years on the backside of the desert. You know what he was doing? He was shepherding. Now, after 40 years of being a shepherd, what kind of shepherd do you think you would be? You'd be a good one. So you'd see here that Moses is a good shepherd who's about to lead his people out. And that's what we read in the book of John, chapter 10 from Jesus. He said, I am the good shepherd. My sheep know my voice. I call them by name and I lead them out. That's what you're seeing happen. So God told Moses, I want my people out. That's what he said to him in chapter 3. He said, this is my assignment for your whole life. This is what the anointing on Moses was to do, was to bring God's people out. So Moses went to the leaders of the children of Israel, told them God had sent him spoke words, performed signs, signs that confirmed the word. And we see in chapter 4 that the people believed it. They believed it when they heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel, verse 31, that He had looked on their affliction. They bowed their head and they worshipped. I have written in my Bible here, right response. That's what you do. And that's what we talked about on last week's broadcast. When you've got this word of the Lord that's come to you and says, Hey, I love you and I want you free. I don't want you bound up. I don't want you in bondage. I don't want you oppressed by anything anymore. I created you to live as a free person. I created my children to live as free people. That's the word of the Lord coming to you. How do you respond to that? You do what they did. You worship. You worship and you praise God. The only thing is, it'd be great if the story ended right there. It'd be great if Moses went to Pharaoh and said, hey, God wants his people out. And Pharaoh said, okay, cool. See ya. But you know and I know that's not what happened. Pharaoh basically looked back at Moses when he said that. He said, who's God? He was God as far as he was concerned. And he said to Moses in chapter 5, he said, look, the people of the land are many now, and you make them rest from their labor. Now, I don't know if Pharaoh realized it or not, but these were prophetic words coming out of his mouth. He just helped paint the picture of Jesus in the middle of this, the one who makes us rest from our labor. But Pharaoh wasn't having it. He cranked up the work in verse 19 of chapter 5. The officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble. Have you ever seen that? Have you ever been in trouble? What do you know when you're in trouble? 
Well, number one, you know you're in trouble, but number two, you know that you want what? Out. Get me out of the trouble I'm in. And these people knew that they were in trouble. After it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. And they came out from Pharaoh and they met Moses and Aaron who stood there to meet them. And they said, let the Lord look on you and judge because you've made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. What happened to all the worship? I mean, just what, a day or so ago, these people were worshiping and praising. Oh, thank God, we're free, we're free, he's getting us out. But then when it didn't happen like Monday, when they weren't free by 10 a.m. Monday morning, what happened to all that worship? Well, it's gone now. And now they're turning around looking at Moses saying, what have you done? And Moses, you can tell, was kind of confused about it too. He went to the Lord. He's like, why'd you send me? I thought you wanted me to get these people out. I did what you said. But I want you to notice this. Even though it didn't go the way he thought it would, even though it didn't go the way the children of Israel thought it would go, God didn't change. And in chapter 6, verse 6, he said, I am the Lord and I will bring you out. He didn't change his mind. His word didn't change. The promise stayed the same. I will bring you out. And man, he said it to Moses over and over. And he said, you go tell him. You tell him the same thing I told you to tell him the first time I sent you. Tell him I'm bringing him out. And that's what I'm telling you today. The word of the Lord hasn't changed. I know maybe you feel like you've been bound up by something. And maybe it feels like it's been a lifelong bondage, a lifelong addiction. Maybe it feels like it's been hanging around your neck for as long as you can remember. And maybe you've heard somebody say before, well, you can be free. But then what happened? When you weren't free the next day or the next, you get discouraged. If you're not watchful, you start believing a lie that, that God doesn't even want you free. No, listen to me. God hasn't changed. The word of the Lord is the same to you today as it's always been. He created you to be free. And He wants you out of whatever it is you're in that you need out of. Now, I won't take time to read the whole rest of this account, but you know what happened. I mean, did God, did God make good on His promise? Did He get these people out? Yeah, He got these people out. And just like we were talking about Jesus setting us free and not doing it quietly or secretly, this was nothing sneaky about this. Jesus did it big and in the open where everybody could see it. And He made a show of the devil openly he destroyed him and brought him to nothing, which is exactly what God did to the nation of Egypt. Man, he set his people free, and he didn't do it quietly either. It was one plague after another, after another, after another. And yet Pharaoh hardened his heart over and over and over again until finally, finally when Pharaoh reaped a harvest on the seed that he had sown, what seed? the killing of those babies. It was harvest time. And that death angel made its way through that city and through that nation. And the firstborn among the Egyptian people was killed. That's harvest on that awful seed that he had sown. Until finally he said, you get out of here. Go. And God's people not only, not only did they get out, they got out with silver, they got out with gold. They were gloriously delivered. 
until Pharaoh changed his mind again, chased them down to the Red Sea. And now they're standing at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army breathing down their neck. And they're yelling at Moses again, why'd you bring us out here to die? Moses, this will be my paraphrase, but he said, shut up. You hold your peace and watch God fight for you. Split the sea open. They walked across on dry land. Pharaoh's army drowns in the sea. And now God starts telling his people, now I've brought you out so that I can bring you in. And we won't take time to look at everything, but go to the book of Numbers with me. Chapter 14. This is, of course, after all that had happened, after God had so gloriously and miraculously delivered these people. And he's brought them to the edge of the land that he wants them in. Again, I remember I told you, he doesn't just bring you out to bring you out. He brings you out so that he can take you in. He brings you out of bad to take you into good. But if you'll stay with him, he'll take you out of good and bring you into better. He'll take you out of better, bring you into best. He'll take you out of the best you've ever known into more than you could possibly ask, think, or imagine. But you got to stay with him. And in chapter 14 of the book of Numbers, they're standing here on the edge of this nation that God wanted them to have. But they had sent out spies. And when the spies came back, they brought back this evil report and said, we can't go in there. Why? Walls. Oh, listen. Remember I told you prison walls? What do walls do? Walls limit freedom. Walls keep people in. Walls keep people out. And these people, these spies came back and said, there's walls and they're really tall and the people are really tall. And they were so gripped with fear that in chapter 14, verse 1, all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole company, the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt or if only we had died in the wilderness, why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? Listen, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? So they said to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Are you out of your mind? Go back to Egypt? You've just been gloriously and miraculously set free. You've just been brought out. The prison walls have been torn down. The doors have been thrown open. And what are you trying to do? Go back? Now you can see why Paul had to write and say, stand in your freedom. Don't go back. Don't get entangled again with what used to enslave you. Stand in your freedom. Don't go back. I said, don't go back. And it's funny. You wouldn't think you would have to tell people that just came out of generations of bondage and slavery and oppression under a murderous regime. You wouldn't think you have to tell them, hey, don't go back there. But it's in the nature of man, isn't it? When things don't look the way you think they're supposed to, well, what do we do? Well, let's just go back. When things aren't, are, aren't appearing outwardly the way you thought they should, what do, you, what do you try to do? You just try to go back. But this is why the book of Hebrews says what it does in chapter 10. I'm out of time, but listen to this one verse. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 37, well, look at verse 36. You have need of endurance 
so that after you've done the will of God, you may receive the promise for yet a little while. And he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Listen to verse 38. The just shall live by faith. That's not living by sight. That's not making decisions based on what it looks like or how things appear. The just will live by faith. Listen, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. He's about to tell you in just a few verses from here in chapter 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. But if you draw back, you're not pleasing him. What are you drawing back from? Drawing back from living by faith? Well, if you're drawing back from living by faith, what are you drawing back to? Living by sight. And that's what people are trying to do. But I'm telling you, living by sight is a prison. It's so limiting. If all you ever do is make decisions for your life, your family, your finances, your ministry, your business, based on what you can see, based on what you can feel, you are limited by those prison walls. And he said, if you draw back to that, my soul has no pleasure in you. But verse 39, here we go. But we, say it out loud, we are not of those who draw back. That's not us. Let me say this to you before I leave the broadcast today. Don't go back. Don't go back to prison. Don't go back to the prison of living by sight. Press forward in faith. Jesus gloriously and miraculously liberated you from that. Press forward in faith and don't go back. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.